Well, hello everyone. It's been a little while. I've been going hard and it's time to try to get caught up again. Um, this last podcast, I talked about a little bit about pea brain and I want to go a little bit deeper into that, that whole, I guess I'm going to coin the term and just, it's part of a philosophy of not willing to learn from others. It's just using your own arrogance and your own, um, I guess it's, it's just basically arrogance where you can't humble yourself. You, you know, it all. Now, even though in the world of predator calling, I feel like I'm very accomplished. I understand coyotes. I can call coyotes. I can, I can still do my own thing. There's never been a time where I do not feel that I can learn from somebody. Um, I've, I've been calling with people that are not on my level as far as accomplishments go. And I've still learned something from them the way they the way they did things. So there's always positives in life where you can use your own humbleness and learn and be willing to learn it and accept it. So I was pretty harsh this last podcast talking about people that want to pay me for a hunt and yet don't want to listen to my advice. And I get it. I understand it. I, <laughs> I totally understand male philosophy and how, how men can bump heads, you know, and the egos get in the way and everything else. I get it. But some of the part of paying me for a guided hunt is knowing that you can't do it on your own. You don't have land. You don't want to. You don't want to set up tree stands. You don't want to cut shooting lanes. You don't want to put in food plots. You don't want to do what it takes to be successful, but by golly, when you come to somebody else's camp, you want to do everything the way your mind, your pea brain thinks that you should do things. So, and whenever I say you, I'm saying you loosely, meaning like I'm talking to the person that's going through this in their life, where they are the arrogant Now, everyone that's listening to me, there's a reason that you're listening to me, okay? Whether you enjoy Les Johnson or you're trying to learn something or you're going through something yourself or you're trying to figure out your own life, I don't consider you a pea-brain type person because you're actually on, more on the humble side you are willing to learn and listen. 
anyone that's trying to better themselves comes from a stance of humbleness. And I commend you. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not even saying I have one-tenth of the answers in this world. When you get pushed down, you get back up. And that's what I try to promote on this podcast is all the life struggles, how everything is against you and you're willing to get back up and push harder to, to become even better. Now, I just turned 53, so my whole body's starting to ache. I, I cringe at getting out of the bed, out of bed in the morning. It just hurts. I never thought I'd ever feel that, right? But my back hurts. It, it just comes from all the manual labor that I've done in my life. I've tore my body up. I've done too many harsh things stupid things, push myself to the limit. <laughs> and But yet, here we are talking about how to push yourself to the limit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but to take us off of this for, for, in, for, a, for a little bit, is I'm actually guiding right now. It's, it's uh, uh, November 7th this morning. I have two guys in Kansas that I'm guiding, and my brother's been guiding them. I told him to stay home today, and I'm running down to guide them. It's four in the morning right now. I've got six guys over in Missouri. Three of them have tagged out, and so there's nothing that elates me more than people having success. I love it. I love the fact that they're enjoying themselves. And whenever somebody works all year to shoot a buck with their bow and arrow and they get it done, there's, there's, there's so much elation from that and so much happiness that it, that's what you put all your work into. When you spend all those times in the tree stand and you do not see nothing, but you keep grinding on, that's when you're going to have success when you least expect it because you put in the work, you put in the time. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up at three in the morning from Hastings, drive all the way down to the family farm or drive down to Kansas to hunt when it's 10 degrees and go sit and wait for a whitetail. And you're freezing your tail off. <laughs> and sooner or later, it all pays off when you put in the time and the work. And that's what I'm so happy for. The gentleman that I have right now in, in Kansas, one of the men, 63 years old, shooting a longbow. And he happened to get a shot at a great big whitetail at one of my stands, biggest whitetail of his life, and he shot over it. Now understand the frustration with that, right? You, you've, you've worked your whole life. You love bow hunting. You love it. And this is no different than calling coyotes. I missed an albino coyote. 
I've killed thousands of coyotes. Coyote come in 150 yards and I missed him. Okay. What haunts me? That albino coyote. It haunts me. But I promise you the next one I shoot at, I won't miss. It, it, it just, it catches you off guard, right? Well, this gentleman's exactly the same. You lay in bed at night. You dream of that monster white tail. It's, it's, it's no different when you're a young kid and you're going to rifle season. You, we all dream of a great, big, beautiful, majestic buck. Something that just will look wonderful on the wall and everyone will talk about. And you, you, when you get your trophy shot with it, you are just on cloud nine and you show all your friends and all the people around you. Look at how magnificent this animal is. I got him, right? You put your time in and effort and it all paid off. This gentleman, 63 years old, this buck comes in and he is shaking like a leaf. Said he couldn't even look at the deer. He had to look away, look down and just control his breathing. Now I commend him. That That's exactly what you should do. You, I try not to look at the rack. I try to just look at the body right where I'm gonna shoot the animal. I try to not even pay attention that he's got antlers on his head. That's what I try to do. And this gentleman, then he'd look up and that deer's staring at him and he, he still has no shot because the deer's facing him. And so he just slowly puts his eyes down and he breathe, breathe, look up and the, the deer slowly changed its positioning. Well, he ended up getting a shot, but the angle is so steep downhill to this, this deer because we're clear down in a bottom of a ravine and the tree stands on the side of a hill. So you're shooting a steep, steep angle straight down. And uh, he, he said whenever he was done at that stand and done at that spot and after he had missed the animal, he said, I should have shot a test arrow. I knew I should have shot a test arrow. And see, that's what guys with a longbow or a recurve do so they can figure out the, the, the trajectory of their arrow because they're shooting with no sight, right? It's all instinctive shooting. So when you're at that steep of an angle, your mind's saying you need to hold your bow right here and your intuition saying, no, I got to lower it because I'm going to shoot high. But your mind's saying, no, you don't, idiot. You, you got to hold where I'm telling you to hold. And your intuition saying, no, you're wrong, brain, pea brain, quit that. <laughs> so, but there's nothing greater as an outfitter than seeing people have an opportunity. It, it, to me, it was just as good as a kill because I know this man who's hunted his whole life is never, ever going to forget that whitetail. He's not going to forget where he was. He's not going to forget the tree stand he was in. He's not going to forget how steep of an angle it was and that he should have shot a test arrow. To me, it, it made an, a lasting impression on his mind. And I, I, I'm very happy for that, right? I, 
I'm not happy that he missed. I want everybody to have a successful hunt. I'm going to put him on a buck this morning. He is going to kill a deer this morning. And that's how I feel about it, right? And I'm just happy that he got to see a big whitetail out in the wild while he had a bow in his hand because that that's what we all long for. That's what we all strive for. You know, all the time that we put in in the, in the field, we always love hearing other people talk about the monsters that got away. Oh, you ought to see the one I saw. Oh, man, you ought to see the one I missed. Well, that's what hunting is, right? It, 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 that's what we long for. That's what we strive for. We all get in the field to do that because we envision a giant coming in front of us. That's what we envision. So when I talk about the pea brain, and that was just a term, I'm just, I'm, I, I, I'm a little bit on the sarcastic side. All of you guys understand that. But I come from a place of none of us know everything, right? But there are some of us that have put in so much time and had so much success that we can help teach people. And it's not coming from a place of arrogance. It's coming from a place of humility and humbleness, but the the people on the accepting side or the listening side, they have so much envy inside of them and ego inside of them that they do not want to accept it. So they are going to point the finger at you and say that you are an egomaniac. You are arrogant when in fact, we're just trying to help them. So, <clears throat> How do we get past this in life? How, you know, I struggle with it, trying to help people and some people don't appreciate it. I give 110% when I'm trying to help people become successful on a hunt. I, I really go over and above. I try to, but I cannot make animals move, right? When the weather's hot, when the rut's on, when it's dry conditions, drought conditions, sometimes everything's just wrong. It's windy, it's hot, the animals won't move. It's just like that when you're trying to call coyotes. If the conditions are against you, no matter what good sound you're using, you won't get a response. And so then what do we do? We start to question our own ability. We start to question the call. We start to question our setup. We start to question where we're calling at, the, the country we're in. All these other negative aspects all start penetrating our brain and trying to steer us clear from our own intuition and our own intuition saying the conditions aren't right. It's not good. It's not conducive right now for what we are trying to do. We need to just take a break and it will get better when the weather changes. That's what we should do. But instead, we try to force it. We try to make it happen, if you know what I mean.
you'll have to forgive me. I'm sipping on some coffee and in between the talk and I've got to have a little Java. <laughs> but so I want all of you that are listening to me to know and understand that no matter what you do in life, whether it's your job, whether it's your uh, your occupation where you're a truck driver, a lawn care professional, a landscaper, uh, a tree trimmer, farmer, truck driver, anything, seed salesman, whatever you do, if you want to excel, what do you do? You try to surround yourself with other people that are excelling in this world because number one, you cannot handle and you cannot take no negativity. You can't be around negative people. Why? Because it brings you down and then your source, your drive for excellence is diminished. It, 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 it gets the light snuffed out on it because all of that negativity is going to start put planting the seed of doubt in your mind and the, the seed of laziness. Oh, I guess I don't need to do it today. I can put this off. I can cut this corner. That's why I say when I, when I talk about how I got to be a television host, how I got to be uh, uh, a a national champion coyote caller, I never gave up. I I don't, I don't, now I go have a a drink every now and then, okay? I'm going to use this example. I'll go down to a bar and it's only because I like the visiting with the other people that are there. And have one drink, one and done, get out of there. But I always, in all of my past, I never did what everybody else did. Go go hang out on the weekend at the bar, get totally S-faced. I always spent more time researching, learning, doing everything I could to become better. Trust me, when it comes to whitetail hunting, I was a whitetail hunter when I was a kid. When I was 14 years old, I was using a a compound bow. I had, this is before you learned about scent crusher bags and ozonics and all of that. What was Les Johnson doing at 14? I went to the area that I hunted and I had my tree stand, I gathered leaves and grass and everything from close to my tree stand, put it in a big black trash bag, and I put all of my clothes in there. And this is before there was sprays. And, you know, when you wash your clothes, what do you do? You put your laundry detergent in. So how did you get rid of that laundry detergent smell? You didn't. You didn't even know of it. You didn't even think about it. But your way of doing it was... You put your clothes in the bag with all that leaves and grass, 
and I always carried it to my, uh, when I went hunting, I kept it in the back of my pickup, and whenever I got to a spot, I always stripped down naked, and I put on my clothes outside of my pickup, and I tried to never, ever touch the inside of my pickup with any of my clothes. That's how anal I was at that age. Like, how do you get to be like that, right? I, I look back on it, and I'm just like, man, I was anal back then. No wonder I'm bad now. And that's the way I am right now. I'm very, very anal on smell. Like, I was heading down south yesterday morning to Kansas. And it's right at the opportune time that people need to be getting into their tree stands. It's uh hour and a half before uh, first light. And I stop at a Casey's to get gas. There was two different vehicles of hunters there, one from out of state, one local. And every guy is wearing their big old muck boots that you wear in the tree stand. They're wearing their all their camo and they're walking around in Casey's getting donuts and getting all this other stuff. And I just shake my head and smile like you're going to you're going to get deer. OK, you're going to be successful. You can kill a little buck. But everybody wants to know, how do I get the bigger bucks? You get the bigger bucks when you stop doing what everybody else is doing. And you get on a level of uh, being obsessed with being paranoid about how you do things. Okay? You hunt with me. I will. You'll find out right away that I don't like what you're doing. I, I, I tell you. But that's when we have, like, people love me or hate me. And most people are going to hate me because they don't like to hear what I have to say. I'm going to say, listen, you got to quit doing this. Why would Les Johnson say that? Because I know. Because I've killed a lot of big animals. And I'm not trying to be a dick. I want you to understand that. I may come across pretty harsh because how do I get you to listen to what I'm saying? I've got to be harsh. I've got to slap you around a little bit. I've got to make you understand that you really don't know as much as you think you know because all the TV shows are steering you wrong. You shouldn't be grunting. You shouldn't be rattling. I'm not saying you can't kill big deer doing that. You can. You absolutely can. But understand, everybody's trying to sell a product. The best way you kill a big buck, you find scrapes. You hang a tree stand and you get in there an hour before first light, you set in that tree stand. Here's a deer right beside the highway right now, a doe. Now well, there's two does and a fawn, a fawn right here in the road ditch. Gee whiz, right at the edge of town, Fairfield, Nebraska. But you, you learn about sin elimination. You become paranoid about that stuff, paranoid. I never walk into a store with my hunting boots on that I'm using in a tree stand. I don't do it. I don't wear my clothes in them greasy places because they're back there cooking pizzas, breakfast pizzas, all that stuff. So all that scent goes right into your clothing. So when you go into the woods, what do you smell like? Casey's. Okay. If you got a little three-point basket rack that wants a Casey's pizza, he's going to come right under your stand. 
and I'm being a smart aleck, okay? But you get where I'm going with this. A lot of times, people don't think about what they're doing. It don't matter. But they lay in bed at night dreaming of this giant buck that's just going to come walking through under their stand. There's people that luck out and get one. I'm not going to say that there aren't. There's people that I, I, I personally don't think it's bad to smoke or chew. Reason being is because it's drowning out your scent. You know, the chew, they're not used to smelling it. If you're spitting your chew on the ground, they're not used to that. And, you know, it's not an odor that's going to make them go batshit crazy, but human scent will. You know what I mean? So if it masks your human scent, so try it. It, I, I know there's a lot of people that are successful killing deer that smoke in the tree stand. So be it. Do it, you know. But the reason I'm having this talk this morning is because all of you that listen to me, you may not think about what I'm talking about in the way that I'm trying to present it. So it don't, it don't resonate in your mind the way that it should. And this is going to make you think deeper about it. And you're going to come to an understanding that it does make a big difference because you're going to say, you know what? I've been doing that. I didn't realize it made that big of a difference. Now I know why I never see anything or deer blowing at me. I, I hardly ever have a deer blow at me. I'm just telling you the truth, a doe. Like I have them smell me, but they can't figure out what I am. And when I'm in a tree stand and my wind's going from left to right and I've got a doe downwind of me to the right and she's eating there, like happened two day, three days ago, she's eating straight downwind of me and she sticks her head up, she's looking, she turns right back towards my tree stand, she's staring, but she isn't acting like she's smelling me. I, I pull my jacket up over my neck because where do they smell you? When the wind hits your skin, the wind is blowing your bacteria, your odor to them. See, a lot of people don't think about it. Yeah, your clothing, but see, if you use ozonics, if you sit crush your bag, when you put your clothing in that bag, it takes away all foreign scents. So it smells, well, all you smell is, it smells fresh. That's the best best description I can use when you use a scent crusher bag it smells fresh it's a it's a different type of odor well it's not an odor that 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 alarms them okay so before I go to a tree stand I spray my skin my hair my face my neck anything that I have exposed I spray it with uh, any kind of uh, 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 scent elimination spray and I rub it all over my face. Uh, I spray all my hair. I try to even shower with scent elimination stuff just to clean my skin. And uh, I never use detergent. I spray my armpits with the scent elimination stuff. I do all of that. Like I'm anal anal. And 
when I was in the tree stand, this doe, she's down there eating and she wouldn't leave. I'm like, oh my gosh, why do they always got to go to your downwind? And they're just, they stay there, right? If a buck's coming, you can't move because you're trying. Like I have, I pulled my jacket up over my neck and cover. I had it clear up over my ears and everything. I'm trying to cover my whole side because that wind's blowing kind of hard and it's blowing right to it. And then I happen to turn and look upwind and I see another doe and I'm, I see a fawn walking through the creek and it's real thick stuff. So I seen them meandering around. Well, finally, that doe, for whatever reason, she she caught a whiff of me. She caught a whiff of, of something that scared the crap out of her. She, threw, she put her nose up, and once she put her nose up, she started licking her nose, and that's how they pick up your scent. And then she really started sticking it up in the air, jerking her head. And I go, oh, crap, she's on me now. Well, she never did blow. She just took off. She bounced about four times, and then she stopped. I could barely see her in the timber, and she just started walking. So it wasn't enough to totally make her just blast out of there. It was just that faint whiff that she caught where she was unsure. So she leaves. The other two deer are straight above me, a doe and a, and a fawn, picking around. I caught movement on the other side of the creek about 40 yards from me. Here come Mooey, walking through the trees, went right to a huge scrape that I've been setting by. And he was a big five of fives, big old bladed brow tines. And he started hitting that scrape. And... I instantly spun around with my bow when he put his head down. I had to spin and I had to look. So so if I'm setting straight and it's noon, 12, I had to spin around and look at 7 o'clock back to my left. So he was sharp back behind me, but it's solid timber. I never cut no shooting lanes, no nothing. And there's a trail right where he was at. And I just knew when he got done at that scrape, he was going to walk right down through the creek and come right up. And he was going to be 22 yards and I was just going to smoke him. And lo and behold, he got done at that scrape. Man, it was neat seeing him do that. He was pawing that ground, sticking his head up in those limbs and just thrashing his antlers around. And leaving his scent, you know, that's what they do. Instead of coming across, he started walking straight to the north, right on the other side of the creek, up in, there's a little row of cedar trees in there, and it's tall yellow grass, there's limbs everywhere, it's thick crap. And he walks up there, and I'm like, are you kidding me? There's no, not even a trail there, but that's what they do. They just go where you least expect them. So he's going up through there, and I look straight behind my stand. There's a little tiny circle, and he's got to go through a little tiny clearing, and I don't see any limbs hanging down right there. And I'm thinking, I can drill him right there if that's where he's going to walk. And he walked right through there real fast. And I'm like, son of a gun. (laughs) I wasn't even ready. And I'm like, well, 
that deal's done. And he just kept sniffing around the ground, sniffing, and he was nibbling on stuff. And he was sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. And then, for whatever reason, he turns around and he walks right back through there. And he went right in some thick stuff. And he's he's just, like, sniffing. Like, there must have been a doe that went through there earlier or something that I, before I was around. And he's looking. And, I mean, that sucker turned and was looking right towards me. It felt like he was looking right at me in the tree stand, but I know he wasn't. He didn't know I was there. And he's just staring my way. Pretty soon, he starts to turn around and like he's going to go right back through that little tiny clearing. And, guys, when I say little clearing, I'm talking I had one foot by one foot that I could smoke an arrow through there. I had no idea what the range was because all this was happening fast. I guessed at around 30, 35 yards, somewhere in there. But I don't, on my bow, I don't have a bunch of pins. I only use one pin and it's on a pendulum. So I do 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, and I side it in for all those ranges and you loosen a, a wing nut and then you, like, if you range something that's 32 yards, you just go a little bit above 30 and then you tighten it back down and then that's 32 yards. I don't like having a bunch of pins. And so I use one pin. And typically I just keep it on 25 yards and I shoot a lot of instinctive, just I hold dead on. That's just the way I am. And I know these bows are so fast that I'm only gonna get two inches of drop at 30, 35 yards. And mentally, that's not, it, you're still gonna smoke that animal. So, but we're led to believe we gotta have all these pins and all this other garbage, right? Well, he, he turned around and he's only about three yards from that clearing. I instantly drew and I started getting my, getting my whereabouts looking through the peep at that hole. And then I pulled my face away for a little bit to see what he was going to do. And he started walking right to it. So I just bared down through my peep. And as soon as he sat in there, I let it go. That light had not just zipped right through him. I mean, it just disappeared perfect right behind the front leg, just boop, like flying through butter. And he just instantly mule kicked, gone. And it was so thick, I never heard no crash, and I never heard nothing. I just seen him take off. So I never even waited. I, I sat up there for just one minute just listening to see if I could hear him crash. And I didn't hear anything. So I just instantly grabbed my quiver, put it on my bow, got down, walked over there. As soon as I got there, I seen my arrows stuck in another log back in the cedar trees. And I looked on the ground instantly blood, just blood and hair, boom, there. I take about three steps I'm looking on the ground. There's big splats of blood. I walk just a little bit further, and I kid you not, I've never had this happen. I shot him behind the front leg. He never made it 10 yards. He was laying dead right there. He, he barely ran through the cedar trees. He must have stopped and just been standing there because there was huge pools of blood there. I must have. The only thing I can think 
is that I cut his arteries going to his heart, and he just, it, it, he lost all blood pressure just instantly. And I cut one of his major arteries because I hit him just right behind the front leg, very low, uh, quite low, just perfect. And he was just laying right there, but just a true trophy. I'm going to say he's over, he's somewhere north of 150 inches, probably 155, uh, just a great trophy, you know, and it happened fast. But when I talk about all of this, I want you to understand that your time in the field, all the years and all the hours and all the weeks and all the days that you put in hunting, it all comes down to, to two minutes. You know what I mean? Where it takes decision making, where it takes preciseness, where it takes determination, where it takes you got to get it done. Nobody's telling you how to do it. It's up to you. It's your move. You got to make it happen. So that's why I do this podcast, because I want you to understand that no matter how much you listen to other people, it comes down to you getting it done. You can listen to me all you want on these podcasts. I can get you all jacked up wanting to be better, but it takes you to get out there and do it. It takes you to get out there and make yourself better. It takes you to analyze your thought process and how can you change yourself so you can quit doing this or you can change this quirk that you know is costing you animals and you can try to better yourself on that. And that's why I'm saying we all have to be a little bit arrogant, okay? When I talk about being somebody having a pea brain because they're an egomaniac, you might think I'm an egomaniac, okay? I have to have a sense of confidence. And with my confidence, I'm going to wreak a little bit of arrogance because I, you're going to think I know it all, okay? You're going to think, geez, he's high on the horse. He really thinks he knows everything. He's, he's cocky. I have, to, I have to admit, emit some of that because I am confident. I'm very confident. And whenever you put enough time in the field, you're going to get that yourself. You can still be humble. You can still have humility. You can still show people that you want to learn from them. But there comes a time when you've got to step up to the plate and make it all happen. And that's when your confidence has got to had has got to prove that you know what you're talking about. So, in being an outfitter, a guide, it's it's a tough position because you're always going to come up it, come up to people that are clients that have been with 10 other outfits 
but they don't want to lease their own land. They don't want to plant food plots. They don't want to hang their own tree stand because that takes tons and tons and tons of work. So they 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 want to spend $3,000 come hunt with you, but then they want to tell you how great of a hunter they are, you know? And that's when you got to step up to the plate and say, listen, what you're doing is wrong. You may think it's right, but it's wrong. And they tell you that they've shot one buck in their life. You know what I mean? And it doesn't come down to, oh, I've got 50 deer under my belt. I guided a guy this year that's killed over 200 deer with his bow. Uh, you know how much confidence I had around him? I'm like, this guy's going to get it done. I don't have no problem whatsoever. And you know what? In the woods, he has seen more deer than 99% of the hunters that I've had. Why is that? Because he's very scent cautious. He he knows animals. He knows where they're traveling. He's not on his cell. He never was on his cell phone, never. And I get people that are on it, scrolling through it all day. Did you see anything? No, nope, never seen a thing. Well, I watched three deer go right by your blind. You didn't see them. One looked like a pretty good buck. No, you didn't see none go by me. I've been watching the whole time. <laughs> Trust me, I've heard it all. Cell phones have led to the demise of many hunters. Many hunters. I can honestly say they've distracted me. When you hear a vibration or feel the vibration, you got to check and see who's trying to get a hold of you. All I want to come from this podcast, this particular podcast, is for you to understand that you may need to humble yourself a little bit. Be willing to learn. And I'm not talking learning on TV shows. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting into the wild, sitting in a tree stand, watching the animals, have them tell you what you're doing wrong. If a, if a deer gets downwind of you and you instantly see it wind you, what's that tell you? You need to work on your scent elimination. But how many of you do it? None. Oh, you, you bought an Ozonics. Oh, you bought a scent crusher bag, but you're not doing everything the way you should you're cutting corners i got a buck crossing the gee whiz nice buck right here in the road in front of me well they're on the prowl <laughs> and i'm going down to meet some hunters right now to get them in the tree stand so well actually they're both sitting in rednecks so they're going to have a nice sit um but anyway humble yourself a little bit and understand that the animals out there can tell you what you need to learn and work on. You don't have to learn that from a TV show. You don't need to watch Lee Likoski kill another 180 inch deer and say, I'm gonna do everything Lee's doing. You gotta have 180 inch deer before you can ever hunt a 180 inch deer. Not all whitetails ever grow up to be that big it takes a special animal with 
superior genetics, the right conditions, everything to even grow that big. You know what I mean? There's big ear, big deer in all parts of the country, but it doesn't mean there are a lot of them. But if that's what you want to hunt, then start learning from people that hunt big deer and learning their traits, how they are on scent elimination, how they hunt certain winds, how they hunt all this other stuff. I don't even listen to these apps uh, on hunting conditions anymore. I I used to glance at them and say, "Uh, it's saying five stars today. The deer movement is going to be excellent. You wouldn't see anything. You know, you know, I, I get it, right? Everybody's wanting us to buy stuff, buy this and buy that. How do you kill anything? You got to be out there. If I called coyotes on perfect conditions, every time I went out, I'm still going to have bad days. I'm going to have good days. I'm going to have bad days. Some of my best days were when people said you can't call coyotes that well, and that was full moon. And I've always said that. I It's just always felt like it was never good. The best day I ever had was on a full moon. It, it was so bright that night, and then all day, it, the moon was up all day, you know? It, it's just, yeah. It, it, when you think you know something, you figure out you don't really know anything. So I want all of you to get out there, try to better yourself. Try to try to set your sights on something and try to make yourself better. Try to push yourself to become better. Try to strive to become better. You, you, you know, it, and you're always gonna run up, when you're bettering yourself, you're always gonna run up against people that are gonna hate on you, always. It, it, it's always gonna happen but you can't let that get to you. And I know that's easier said than done. It, we, we let words get to us. The, the old adage, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words do hurt you. I don't know why that was ever said, but words do hurt you. That's why people lash out at you is because they want to hurt you. They want you to think about it. They want you to uh, overanalyze it. And they want it to crush you. That's why people talk smack. They want those words to hurt you. Okay? So how do you get away from that? You stay away from people that want to hurt you. You stay away from those crowds of people. Trust me. If you knew Les Johnson, you'd say, that dude's a hermit. I am pretty much a hermit. Like, I don't get out and do much. I do a lot by myself. I have a couple friends that I can rely on. Number one, my main people in my life is a childhood friend and my brother and my nephews. That's the only people. Like, I cut a lot of people out of my life because I can't handle the drama. I can't do it. I can't. Not when I'm trying to just strive on and roll on. I can't do it, you know? So keep that in mind. <clears throat> so I'm going to I'm gonna say a quick prayer for all of you that want to pray with me. Great. I love it. And if you don't, thank you for joining my podcast. Thank you for listening. 
I think it's wonderful. I hope it brightens your day. I hope you can get out there and better yourself and become a better hunter. Um, finding those little quirks that maybe are setting animals off on you. <clears throat> but let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for fall. Thank you for the cooler weather. Thank you for the leaves that are falling and all the wonderful smells that our noses get to smell. I just love fall, Lord. Thank you for the people that are listening, Lord. Please bless and touch each one of them that are listening right now. Help them to walk away from this podcast with a smile. Help, help them to walk away with something that really resonated with them, that they feel like they can really better themselves with. And not only themselves, but to touch another person's life, to help somebody else down the way. Because this world, Lord, we know it's filled with hatred, animosity, mean, ugly people, and Lord, please help us to try to be uh, a light spot in all of this horrible stuff that's going on around us. Help us to make your creation better. We want you smiling at us, God. We know we aren't perfect. We know that we sin and that we do not do the best of things at all times. Help us to become better. Please forgive us of our sins. And thank you for letting our eyes see your beautiful creation. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone. I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you for everyone that reaches out to me. I truly appreciate all of you. You're all a friend that I don't get to meet or I haven't met. I Trust me. I appreciate you. So have a great day. Stay safe out there. Get out there in the outdoors. It's fall. It's leading into winter. And this is our time. Please, please, please be considerate of the animals that you take. Don't disrespect that animal. Know that God put them on this earth for us to enjoy the harvest of them. That we, we get to eat them and nourish our body and share it with other people. Give your, give your venison away if you're going to take an animal. Give it to somebody that will cherish it. And you can bless them with the, the taking of the animal. I think that's wonderful. Anyway, have a great day. I'm going to quit blabbing. <laughs> I've got some guiding to do. I want to get these guys tagged out. Anyway, take care, everyone. We'll see you.